A few years ago, we, uh, I worked at a place called Grace Adventures, and uh, we were training our summer staff. We have a summer camp program, and we were training our summer staff, and it was a return staff member of mine. Uh, he was going to be our worship leader that summer, and I received a phone call from his mother that uh, he had some testing done for a spot um, on his neck, and she told me over the phone, he has cancer. And then she said to me, would you please let him know? Um, there, there's not a textbook that says, here's how you let somebody know how they have cancer, um, especially if you're not a doctor or a family member. So in that moment, um, a specific verse came to mind, and it's this one. James 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all, without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And so immediately, I'm going to move away. I'm probably being recorded. Sorry, those of you who are listening to the audio recording. I can't stand behind the podium much longer. <laughs> so here's, here's what I found, is that in that moment, I could not... I could not deliver that news, and I knew I needed help. So I immediately, in that moment, asked God for wisdom. And I know that you are like me. Because even driving down here this morning, one of my coworkers is riding with me. We're having this dis a discussion in the car, and he asks me a question, and I think to myself, I don't know the answer to this. I'm not sure how I'm going to take him forward. And so in that moment, I pray and I say, God, give me wisdom. I love this verse because we all qualify for being lacking, right? That's why you're here this morning, hopefully. Secondly, it gives us a clear directive. If you lack wisdom, you should ask God. Don't come to a workshop. Go directly to the source. Now, here's the really fun part of the verse, is that our God is a God who doesn't only give, but he gives generously. Matter of fact, it's almost as if he is waiting to give us wisdom. Now, I don't want to take too much time on, on my uh, theology here, but um, one of the things biblically that's very clear is that God tests his people. Genesis 19 verse 1 says, God tested Abraham. And it goes on to tell the story about how God tells him to sacrifice his son Isaac. And he was testing Abraham. This, this was a test. God brings his children to the edge of the promised land. He says, this is going to be yours. They send in spies, and they see this land is really, really, really good. It's flowing with milk and honey, which probably meant something way more to them than it does to us today. But we know it was good. And then they see all of the obstacles and the difficulties and the distractions. Right? They don't focus on the promise. They focus on the obstacles and the difficulties and the distractions. Well, God actually left the people there so that when the Israelites went into the promised land, they would grow in their faith and they would grow in relying on him to be able to succeed. Right? So, so here's what I know is that as we encounter the challenges and the difficulties and the obstacles, and we will because we live in a broken world, and you guys are in schools with small terrorists. I mean students <laughs> who are frustrating, who are annoying, who are difficult, who are hurting, and we have the privilege to do ministry to kids. And God wants us to rely on him. 
He wants us to ask him for wisdom. And he is waiting because he wants to give generously to all. Not to some, to all. Give generously to all without finding fault. That, that, that makes me want to jump up and down. Because I know what I did last week. I know what I said to my wife. I know I yelled at my kids. And if there's a reason for God to find fault with me, no problem. If it wasn't last week, it was the week before. Right? But he wants to give generously to all without finding fault. There's not a a caveat here of, oh, by the way, you asked last week, so I gave it to you then, so you don't, I'm not going to do it. Like, I am going to give it generously to all. We all fit in that category, all. Without finding fault. And it will be given to you. Now, I didn't put the next verse up, but let me give you a little context. It says, but when you ask, you should ask and not doubt. Because the man who doubts is like somebody who is like a wave in the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. So so if you're going to ask this, and, and you should, I should too, I do, but believe it. When you ask, believe it. Because he's waiting to do it. He's wanting to do it. We just have to believe. And he's going to do it. Awesome. One slide down. Here we go. Let me give you Ben's definition of wisdom at no extra charge. Um, And uh, for the record, um, I do have a handout for you. Um, It was emailed to the secretary of CEA this morning. That's why it's not on the website. But hopefully at some point she'll put it up so these verses and that kind of thing will be there. You're still welcome to take notes. It is my fault, not hers. My lack of uh, future planning. Wisdom is knowing the right thing to say or to do and doing it at the right time in the right way. Now, this is where I just... Because I love to talk theory, but I want it to be practical in my life. Of so, so here's the thing. We live in a Google and a YouTube world, right? When you don't know what to do with your plumbing, you Google it. And you go to YouTube and you watch a do-it-yourself video. This is also what our students are doing. But here's what we know is the Internet is a wonderful resource. And it is also filled with terrible evil. And there is great information. And there is false information. And there is way too much information that we can handle. And so wisdom is knowing what information is valuable. And how do I apply that to my life? And this is what our students are struggling with today. This is what our students' parents are also struggling with today. And I can say that with absolute certainty because I am one. Okay? And so wisdom then is, so so earthly wisdom, they use the term wisdom as in knowledge. We can get information. It's at our fingertips. But godly wisdom is on a different tier altogether. Because godly wisdom helps us to know not just what is the right thing to do or to say, but when do I do it and how do I do it? Because we've all been in a situation where we knew the right thing to do, but we botched the delivery. Right? We had great heart motivation. Something needed to be said, and so I said it, and the result was disastrous. So that's why wisdom is knowing the right thing to do or what to say, when to do it, because there's a right time to do it. In front of everybody, it's not always the right time, right? You've got to do confront in private, praise in public, confront in private. But then also, how do I communicate that confrontation? And so knowing the right thing to do, to say, doing it at the right time, in the right way. Now, unfortunately, there's not a, um, you're not going to be able to go out on a walk this afternoon between this and your afternoon session and see in the clouds, God doesn't typically like write out, here's 
the time and the place, and, and that's like, it's not clearly written in the sky, right? So we're going to need a little bit more help here. And fortunately, God has given us his Holy Spirit. So number one, God is the giver of wisdom. And one of the ways that he speaks that wisdom into our lives and teaches us is through his word. We know the Bible, Jesus, right answer, but it is. And then number two is through the work of the Holy Spirit is how he prompts us and how he speaks to us. And so part of learning wisdom is learning to listen to God's Holy Spirit. Creating an environment in our lives where when the Holy Spirit speaks, we recognize this is him, and we implement that which he's saying. So, in Proverbs 10.24, I love this verse. It says, what the wicked dread will overtake them, what the righteous desire will be granted. Now, we know the book of Proverbs is wisdom literature in Scripture. It's the wisdom book, written mainly by King Solomon, who was the wisest man on planet Earth during his time. And he says, what the wicked dread will overtake them. Here's what that means. When you've done something wrong, you're always looking over your shoulder to wonder, am I going to be found out? And eventually, it's going to catch up with you. What you dread, what you're looking over your shoulder, is going to be caught up with you at some point. What the wicked dread will overtake them. What the righteous desire will be granted. If the heart cry of our lives is, God, give me wisdom, that is right in line with what he desires for us. Anybody going to challenge me on that statement? No, because it's right in line with his word, with his truth. This is what he wants for us. And so what the righteous desire will be granted. And so, again, I just want to say, um, I love working on things that God wants for me. I'll say that one more time. I like to work in the same direction as God. Because when you work in the opposite direction, it just doesn't work very well, does it? He confronts the pride, but he enables the humble. Right? James 4, 6. Matthew 7, 7 to 8. This, this is a, a, a well-known passage. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. So I think of a, a, a young boy. He's uh, sitting in the living room of his house, and he's looking out the window, and he sees a moving truck um, across the, um, down the street a little ways, uh, pulling into a, the house that was for sale. This boy is curious. Who's moving in next door? So at first... He starts uh, by going to his mom and asking, Mom, who is going to be in that house? And his mom says, I don't know. So he goes outside, and he, he wanders a couple doors over, and then he kind of hides behind the tree. He's peeking out behind the tree to see who's coming out of that moving truck. Who's helping move boxes in and out? Do they have a kid who is my age that I can play with this summer? Right? And then he sees that there's actually a kid at the moving truck helping. And so later that day, with his mom's permission, he actually walks over there, walks up onto the porch, knocks on the door to ask if that young boy can play. I tell that story because I, tr I, I like to make God's word tangible. I think this, when it comes to wisdom, there's an asking, there's a seeking, and there's a knocking involved. So let me, let me start here. Number one, we need to ask. 
I already mentioned James 1, verse 5. Proverbs chapter 2 speaks of growing in wisdom. Verse 1 through 3. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding. This passage is also saying, if you ask, if you cry out, this is where, this is where you're going to grow. Now, there's two aspects to asking. One is the in the moment to ask. This is the instant ask. Right? Where, where you're like, you find yourself in this situation and you realize, this is above my pay grade. This is more than I know. Like, I don't have a case in the back history of my life where I did something similar to this. I don't even know where to start. Right? That's in the, that instant, God is saying, right now, ask. Right now. Because I'm here with you. I want to empower you. I want to guide you. I want to direct you. Right now, ask. I can't do this on my own. In that instant, ask. Now, here's what I love. And, and this is just a, 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 an example of that. As Jesus is teaching his disciples, he's saying, I'm going to send you out. He says, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, you're going to be arrested. You're going to be pulled into places where they are going to accuse you. He says, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time. Not before. At that time. He's a right when we need him. Holy Spirit. He's going to teach us what to say at that time. Wisdom's knowing the right thing to do or to say in the right way at the right time. So the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. So he is the in that instant at. Now the other fun part is there's a process involved in growing in wisdom. There's a process. Because God doesn't want us to be the same a year from now that we are today. And so, um, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, I'm going to just make an inference from this verse, that if there's a beginning, there's probably an end, and there's probably a middle. Right? So if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, there's got to be more to the story. And as I look at people in my life who I would consider wise, and I have them, many of them are older than me because they've walked the path longer and they've learned and grown in wisdom through time. And so there's a way or ways that we can intentionally grow in wisdom. And, and, and I think that that then falls in the seeking category. If, if there's going to be a process involved, there's going to be seeking. So Proverbs 2, the next three, two verses in Proverbs 2, if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So this isn't just a passive, like, it's really nice to be able to ask God in the moment, but there's now an, uh, a part of growing in wisdom that requires effort on our part. This isn't just a, I can wing it all of the time. Have you seen Shanghai Noon? He lost his winging it privileges. But anyway, <laughs> terrible movie, wouldn't recommend it, but that line was funny. Because he messed up, he botched a robbery, and, and so the guy looked at him and said, you lost your winging it privileges. Like, you're done winging it. You've got to have a plan. And, and, and I think God, God absolutely wants us, wants us in the moment to ask. But we can't just settle that we're always going to call on him in that moment. 
We have to have a purposeful process where we are seeking it as for silver and searching for it as for hidden treasure. There is absolute effort involved. And then let me give you an example. In Matthew 6, 26, it says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Now, the last I checked, every day, every day a sparrow goes out flying around and looking for food. Right? It doesn't just get IV into their wing. It doesn't. So, so it takes effort for them to be fed every day. They can't store up. They have to find food every single day. And yet, who feeds them? God is the one who provides. So there's an effort involved in this process. That, that God is the giver of wisdom. God is the source of wisdom. But we can't just expect that every time we can just ask and it's just going to be poured out. Like, we have to search for it. We have to put effort in to grow toward this. Um, so, let me, let me say a couple things. A couple practical things here. And, and, and we know these answers. Number one, study scripture. Number one, study God's word. It is, it, is, it is what the Holy Spirit can use in our lives to teach us and for us to learn. And, and we can't depend on our pastors to do that for us. We have to take ownership in our own lives. I, I realized about 10 years ago that if my spiritual walk with the Lord was dependent on my pastor, I was only going to go so far. At some point, we have to realize I have to do the work if I'm going to grow. I have to take responsibility. And so studying God's word, number one. Number two, if you want to grow in, God, in godly wisdom, memorize God's word. Unfortunately, there's not an Awana program for adults. We don't get monetary awards. We don't get praise. We don't get accolades or prizes for, for memorizing God's word. But here's what we do get. We get wisdom. Because God tells us when we make his word a part of our, a part of our heart, that, that the Holy Spirit can remind us of those specific things at those specific times. And he can use that to help us grow. Now, I got this in theory for a long time. I loved memorizing in theory. But memorizing scripture takes work. It's hard. It's not fun. It's not grandiose. You, nobody even cares when you memorize two verses. Except for you. So I, I actually, a few years ago, I went through a coaching training and I learned how to do life coaching. And then I helped the organization do some training. And I was training on coaching. And part of the training was this hands-on activity where not, not only do we teach people to coach, we gave them the opportunity to practice in the training. Very practical, very helpful. We had an odd number of students, so I jumped in to, um, to this coaching conversation with one of the students, and uh, this was probably of the two days, I don't know if it was day one or day two, but it was like a 15 minute conversation, and he asked me, Ben, what would you like to talk about? And I said, I'd like to talk about memorizing scripture. He said, okay, and then he began to coach me, and I put together a plan for how I was going to memorize scripture. This was, uh, I bet, seven years ago. Seven years ago, I put together a plan. I wanted to memorize five verses a week, five verses a week, and this was the caveat. I was going to call a good friend of mine, and I was going to tell him, I was going to ask him if he would receive a phone call from me on Friday. This was the accountability piece that I didn't have. 
Because I can make up really good excuses that work on myself every time. Okay? So I said, I called up my friend Mike. Mike, will you take a phone call from me every Friday and listen to me give my five verses? Yep, I'll do it. And I began memorizing five verses a week. And he'd answer my call and listen. And here's what I'll tell you. On Thursday night, if I wasn't ready, I'm cramming. Because I didn't want to miss, right? I, I didn't want to look bad. I was going to be ready when I called him. Now here's what I'm going to tell you. Seven years later, I've missed some dates. But I still call him on Fridays. That's tomorrow, by the way. And here's what I know is if you do a little bit at a time over a long period of time, you can get a lot done. Now, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just share with you, you can memorize books of the Bible, five verses at a time, over a long period of time. I don't know all of that by heart anymore, but I know where to find things because I have a mental Rolodex and God can use those things to bring them to mind when I'm in that situation. So I'm not up here standing up here to brag. I'm, I'm just standing up here to say, guys, I needed help. I asked my friend Mike. He has held me accountable for seven years, and I'm in a different place today. And I'm so grateful that I have been able to not just think memorizing is a good thing, I've been able to do the work of memorizing. And there are people who are better at memorizing than I am. They do 10 verses a week. They, they, I know guys who, they can see it and they can recount it. That's not me. But that's not how God wired me. I gotta do me. And if you're gonna grow in wisdom, study his word, memorize his word. Memorize it. Make it a part of your heart and your life. Here's the last piece is, and I've just started to do this about three years ago, is we also have to spend time in reflection. Reflection and journaling. I hate journaling. It's not, but when I slow down and I write down, what am I learning? What is God teaching me? What, as I walk through this situation, what are the things that I need to make sure that I do? We have to reflect. He's brought us through these experiences because he's using these things to prepare me to go into where he's taking me. So don't just have the experience. Learn from the experience. And that's going to take reflection. That's going to take time to process. And you can do that with a friend. You can do that through... I, I'm just saying we got we to gotta spend time... And, and, and I think those, those three things, I'm sure there's more. And, and maybe at, at the end we'll, we'll open it up. But when it comes to seeking God's wisdom, those are three practical things that came to mind for me. Okay? <clears throat> Last one. Knock. We're going to actually go up to the porch door and knock. Here's a little plot twist. In Revelation 3.20, it says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. Now, here's the really cool part. This is Jesus Christ talking in the book of Revelation. It's in red letters if you read it in your Bible. Okay, Jesus is saying, I'm standing at the door knocking. I need you to open it up, and I'm going to come in. Now, I want to show you, i got to show you this verse. Proverbs 13, verse 20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Okay? Now, I have a cousin. He's a couple years younger than me, and, and he's, he was not a swimmer, but he had friends who were on the swim and dive team. He went to one of their events, and as he's sitting up in the balcony, one of his friends said, hey, I'll give you five bucks if you go down and jump off the high dive in the middle of the meet. And he turned to his friend and said, no way, five bucks isn't enough. So then the other guys started pooling their resources. When they got up to $50, he decided that was enough. He heads down in the middle of this swim diving meet, 
The diving wasn't happening at that time, but the swimming was. Fully clothed, goes up on the high dive, jumps into the deep end of the pool. As you can imagine, the crowd thought this was hilarious. The athletic director did not. <laughs> he not only received a fine greater than $50, he also received a suspension, and understandably so. But I tell that story because that's the negative side of when you walk with fools, you're going to suffer harm. Right? It matters not just who students hang out with, it matters who we hang out with. We need to surround ourselves with people who are wise. You tracking with me? It matters who our friends are. Who are we being challenged by? Who are we hearing what they're doing and how they're growing that helps pull us along? If you walk with the wise, you will grow wise. Check this out. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. But those to whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God, and Christ is the wisdom of God. If we walk with the wise, we will grow wise. Jesus is the wisdom of God. He's standing at the door, knocking. We have to open the door, and we have to invite him to walk with us every day. We're going to grow in wisdom when we walk with the wise, and there is no one wiser than Jesus Christ. That's why I said, I qualified, when Solomon walked the earth, he was the wisest man on earth. Because when Jesus showed up, he superseded Solomon. He actually refers to that in the gospel. He says Solomon in all of his splendor. He said, but the one greater than Solomon is here. He clearly stated, I'm, I've got a leg up on Solomon. Okay? So as we walk with Christ, we're going to become wise. Very good. Now, Here's then a few items that I wanted to, to just um, say this. As we live, as we teach a biblical worldview, okay, that uh, God is in control, God created the heavens, he created the earth, Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, that, that, that Jesus Christ to save, save, came to save and rescue sinners of whom I'm the worst, Paul says that, that, that we can't do life on our own. As we grow in our understanding of these things, how we engage the world, how we see the world changes. Our paradigm changes. We live from a different place than those around us. So, <clears throat> I live and work at Grace Adventures, and we are an experiential educator. That means we do like ropes course, climbing towers, and we draw learning from it. So I feel most comfortable when I have you guys doing an activity. So we're going to do an activity as part of this workshop. It's a challenge by choice activity. You don't have to participate. If you want to laugh at the person next to you, you can do that. But, but it's worth doing. This is, this is not difficult. You don't even have to leave your seat for this one. Okay? Here's what I, this is the activity. Hopefully you've never done it before. But if you have, it's still fun. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to look up at the ceiling, and you're going to imagine the face of an analog clock. Not digital, analog. With your pointer finger, uh, with your dominant hand, you're going to go in a clockwise motion, pointing straight at that face of a clock. So now's the time to participate. Look up. Go in a clockwise motion. Keep your finger pointed straight up. Go around, keep going around, and as you're doing that, lower your finger, keep it pointed straight up, lower it, bring it down so it's below your eye level. Keep going in the same, yep, bring it down below your shoulders. Now look down at your finger. Which direction is your finger going? It's going counter, let's try that again. 
above your head, go in a clockwise motion, keep it going in the same motion, bring it down, bring it down below your shoulders. Now look down at your finger pointing up, what direction is your finger going? <laughs> This is why there are only one-sided clocks in the world, okay? Because if you look at an analog clock from one side, it's going clockwise. If you look at it from the other side of the clock, it goes counterclockwise. That's free. Bonus material this morning. Okay? Here's what I want to express. That God's wisdom is different than our wisdom. We have to challenge the paradigm. So here we go. There's just a couple practical ways that I want to talk. Number one, at Grace Adventures, our president, Steve Prudhomme, he's been um, running Grace Adventures for 25 years. We do not have problems at Grace Adventures. We have opportunities. Now let me tell you, we've had a lot of opportunities <laughs> in my 22 years full-time at Grace Adventures. We've had a ton of opportunities. We've had opportunities in all kinds of shapes and sizes. But we have opportunities to learn, we have opportunities to grow, and we have opportunities to speak truth. This was a huge aspect of growth for me. As I worked with our summer team, as I worked with kids who were frustrating, and annoying, every time I had to confront something, I could look at it as a problem or I could look at it as an opportunity for me to speak truth in a loving way, maybe a way they wouldn't get it at home. And I had the opportunity to minister to them in that place. I don't do it perfectly, but I'm telling you, after 10 years of working in ministry, that was one of the most valuable nuggets for me. Because when you are in a leadership role, as a teacher, as a principal, you deal with all the problems. That's what happens. All the problems come up, and you get to deal with bigger problems the more responsibility you get. If you look at them as opportunities for you to learn, for you to grow, and for you to invest in those that God has entrusted to your care, that is wisdom. It's a paradigm shift. Instead of looking at it like a problem, it's now an opportunity. And it changes how we go after it. Number two, immediate versus eternal. Immediate versus eternal. And we know, especially in our instant gratification, our instant information today, we are falsely sucked in to the understanding that what we want, we can get right now all of the time. And that what's in front of me is what matters. The eternal is what matters. The relation, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here, but I'm just reminding us, the eternal is what matters. The relationship with God is what matters. Because this is a blip on the radar of eternity. And so if we get so focused on the right now, right here, what's in front of me, we're going to miss the perspective that God is willing to give us. And so we can get all bent out of shape, all worried, all worked up over this, and it's just a blip. we got to think eternal, not just immediate. Now, there are still things we have to deal with in the immediate. We, we can't just ignore things and hope they'll go away. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying in how we approach that which is in front of us, we have to move from the immediate to the eternal. This is what I have to keep telling myself as a parent. If I do the work now, it's going to pay dividends later. If I put in the work now, 
I can't control the outcome. I can only control the work now, but I can put in the work now with the eternal in mind. And I can take the work and the steps in the eternal direction right now that will pay dividends down the road. Immediate versus eternal. Move past the external to the heart. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, the context of this passage is Samuel is at Jesse's house. He's there to anoint the next king of Israel. He's going to anoint David. He just doesn't know it's David. He's following God's lead. God says, go to Jesse's house. You're going to anoint the next king. Samuel actually is like, God, do you realize that Saul is still on the throne? Like, this could get me in some serious trouble. And God's like, no, I want you to go, and I want you to take care of it right now. So Samuel obeys. He's standing there. The three oldest sons of Jesse walk past. And, I mean, one is a a center on the basketball team. The next one's a linebacker. I mean, strong, good-looking. And and all seven of Jesse's sons, God says, no, 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 no. And then Samuel's a little confused. Like, I'm here at Jesse's house. He's got seven boys. I just, you just told me no. And God says, so Samuel says to Jesse, do you have any other sons? He's like, yeah, there's one out in the shepherd's pen. Well, call him in here. So he brings in David, and, and God says to Samuel, God does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outer appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Let, let, me, let me paraphrase that. God doesn't look at the behavior God looks at the heart. We have to look past the behavior of students, of parents, of fellow staff members, and we've got to look at the heart. And we need God's help to do this. God, help me look past. All behavior is motivated by need or unmet need. So as we grow in wisdom... God, help me see past the annoying, the frustrating. They have offended me. I have to see past that because when I see past that, I can see a hurting child of any age. Because some of the parents that you're dealing with are really hurting kids. And they don't know how to express their hurt. And so their behavior is they're yelling at you. And it's really confusing because it feels like they're yelling at you. Because they are. But they're really hurting. And they don't know how to express it. We have to see past the behavior to the heart. His glory versus my credit. I'm a recovering people pleaser. You laugh, that is, that is a truthful statement. I, I would love for you guys to give me a 10 out of 10 on the evaluation when you walk out of here. Okay? I'm, I'm, just, I'm being transparent with you. <clears throat> I would love for you to do that. Don't do that. But I would love for you to do that because it would make me feel good for a moment in time. But I'm learning as a recovering people pleaser... I am working for an audience of one. Your opinion, although it's important to whether CEA invites me back or not, is not the most important. The audience of one, God's perspective, which that's what truth is, God's perspective of reality. God's perspective is what matters most to me. And I'm learning that. I'm in process. I'm a work in process. And I want him to get credit. I want you to walk out of here actually more impressed with his word and his perspective and his wisdom. I just want to be the the voice. I want to be the vehicle that delivers that truth to you. Because if it's dependent on Ben, you're going to go back to school and I won't even tell you what it's going to end up like. It's just going to be crap. All right? But if you walk back with the Holy Spirit, if you walk back asking for His help, seeking His wisdom, and 
opening the door when he knocks, that is where you're going to grow. That is where you're going to know the right thing to do in the right way at the right time. And then you're going to give him the credit. And all of a sudden, when you give him the credit, then you can invite those students, those teachers, fellow teachers, those parents in and say, to him be the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever. Amen. Here's bonus material that I was thinking of as I was driving down here this morning. I don't have a slide for this, is my way of saying it. <clears throat> is um, I think another aspect is entitlement versus ownership, God's ownership. And what we have to learn to do is in America, we have rights. This is a really good thing in a country. Because there's countries around the world they don't, the, the citizens don't have rights. But we have a false understanding because God doesn't give us rights. God gives us privileges. So we have to take all of our rights, even though the Declaration of Dependence, Independence says we have God-given rights, we have to give those back to him. God, I give you all of my rights. I give you the right to how people talk to me. I give you the right of whether I have a job next week. God, I give, you, I give you all of these rights. Then, when he gives one of those things back to you, it's a privilege. It's something to be grateful for. When it's taken away, it's not, ah, this is not, no. We have, to, we have to give him our rights, and then when we get it back, it's a privilege. That one's really good in theory. That one really stunk during COVID. When the government started to take away my rights. And they started to tell me what I had to do and what I didn't get to do. That I thought I should. And I'm just telling you, if you watch and listen to Facebook, this is one that's not taught in the Christian community because as Americans, we think we have rights. I'm telling you, we have, if we're going to have wisdom, we have to give God our rights, and whatever we get back is a privilege. So, um, I think I have one more verse here that I want to end with, and then we have a little bit of time for questions or comments. And this is just in closing to say, the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And so if we're going to grow in wisdom, we have to go to the source. And I just, I said that once, I want to end with making a statement, a flag in the ground here to say, guys, it's God who gives us wisdom. It's from his mouth where we get knowledge and understanding. Not from another conference, not from another spirit, from him and him alone. And so I'm, I, I'm, I'm standing here this morning, I'm growing, I'm learning, but what I know he has been teaching me, and it's been a 10-year process, and literally I ask for wisdom almost every single day. I ask him to fill me with his wisdom so that I'm not dependent on my own, I'm living in his wisdom. Let's pray, and then uh, if you have questions or comments, Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the source of wisdom, that you are the wisdom of God. God, that you are waiting for us to ask that you give generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to us. Lord, I pray for these, your kids, staff, administrators. God, I thank you for the ministry each one of these people have in your kingdom, in your schools across this country. God, I pray that you will continue to equip, you will continue to empower, you will continue to direct, that they would live in your wisdom, and God, that their light would shine bright, that through their lives you would make a difference this year. May your will be done. May you have the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. That's all I have prepared for you, so if you want a nice lunch break, you can slide out right now. Enjoy. If you have any questions, I'm, I'm happy to um, 
to de deflect those, and then we'll we'll move on. <laughs> no, uh, seriously, are there are there thoughts or responses or or questions? Yes. Um, in your journey of scripture memorization, yes. How have you? And I know everybody's different, so I'm just asking you personally. What um, way have you gone about deciding what to memorize, and what is, what have you tried when you learned in that process of deciding how to go about it? I, I just choose a passage that um, I, I think, so I, I told you I've been growing in wisdom, so I first started by memorizing a proverb, because I knew that that was God's um, wisdom literature. Um, then I went to a family conference, and one of the things that I found out is the book of John in the New Testament is the gospel that... Um, references wisdom literature the most of all four Gospels. Um, and so that was uh, where I went next. Um, and three or four years later, I got through the book of John. And, and, then, um, and then I just, I just look for, like, I, I say, you know, what, what's something that I want to learn? So I, I've memorized some different Psalms. I've memorized... Um, I, I won't go into the details because it's, it's but but that's I just like there was a passage in Revelation that talks about the risen Jesus Christ and and I wanted to know because when he walked here at first it was as if um, he was putting his fingers over a flashlight and it, only once in a while did he let the ray of light come up he was kind of in disguise when he was here first when he returns again there will not be mistaken who the risen Jesus Christ is. He's going to come back riding a white horse with a double-edged sword coming out of his mouth, which I think basically all he has to do is speak, and he wins. Um, and it describes in Revelation who the risen Jesus Christ is, and I wanted to have that vision in my mind. When I, I don't want to think of the beaten Jesus. I want to think of the conquering king Jesus, because that's who he is today, and that's who's coming back. So I just said that I want to, that's what I want to memorize. That's a really long answer to a short question. <laughs> Sorry. You get me excited. Other questions, comments? Go ahead. Uh, there's a scene from C.S. Lewis, The Magician's Nephew, where Fleck, the flying horse, and Diggory and Polly are on his back, and they're off on the mission, and they're flying up the valley, and they get hungry, and they settle down in the valley, and there's this crystal clear cold water stream for them to drink from mm -hmm. and grass for the horse to eat and Diggory and Polly get a little grumbly and complaining and say I feel like Aslan would have known we would have gotten hungry and Flex says I think he knows I think he likes it yeah right and that scene always sticks with me as this <laughs> reminder of wisdom of the times when I get stuck and I'm like God if you know all things you knew this would have happened why didn't you? Great insight. Perhaps I haven't asked. <laughs> great illustration. Thank you. That's a great picture. I'm going to steal it for the next time I teach this. <laughs> What's your name? Jeff Stoll. You won't get any credit. <laughs> I just... Good. Any other questions, comments? May you enjoy your conference. Have a great time. We'll see you.